On episode 621 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Ben Aldis and discuss his book, Raise the Bar, how to push beyond your limits and build a stronger future you. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 621. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Coach Allen. I'm an NASM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, performance enhancement, and fitness nutrition. A Precision Nutrition Level 1 coach, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA Level 2 online trainer. Each week, I'm joined by our co-host, Coach Rachel. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Hi there, I'm Coach Allen. If you're over 40 and struggling to shed those extra pounds, I'm here to tell you that there's a better way, a path to lasting weight loss and a healthier you. I understand where you are all too well. You've tried countless diets and exercise programs that promise quick fixes, only to be disappointed and left feeling defeated. It's frustrating, and at times, you probably feel a little hopeless. Even when you manage to lose some weight, it comes right back when you can't stick to the strict diet or intense workouts. I'm here to offer you something different, something that actually works. It's not a fad diet or a miracle pill. It's not a cookie cutter workout program. It's a transformative journey toward a healthier, happier you. Imagine yourself 15, 30, or even 65 pounds lighter, full of energy and living life to the fullest. Does that sound like the journey you'd like to take? Well, I'm here to guide you every step of the way. I'm currently holding open enrollment for what I can best describe as a weight loss experience. You'll work directly with me to build a plan that's right for you. And I guarantee that you'll lose all the weight you want and build a lifestyle that will help you keep it off. But time is of the essence. The enrollment period for this life-changing weight loss coaching program ends on December 31st. I'm also limiting it to 20 participants. With what it will take for me to do this with you, I don't foresee another open enrollment for quite some time. Don't let another year slip away. I want you to take action right now. If you're ready to invest in yourself, to break free from the cycle of failed attempts, and to finally achieve the results you've been longing for, email me, coach at 40plusfitness.com. Remember, you don't have to face this challenge alone. With the right guidance, support, and accountability, your weight loss goals can become reality. Email me today, coach at 40plusfitness.com, and let's make 2024 the year you lose the weight and transform your life. Hey, Raz, how are you? Good, Alan. <clears throat> how are you today? I'm doing okay. Uh, we're, right, we're right on the verge. Oh. You know, well, if you've listened to this podcast before, we've talked about Panamanians and the way they like to protest and they'll block mm -hmm. roads. And they don't just block a road or a bridge for a day or two. Sometimes when they get to these kind of things, they block them permanently for weeks. 
Oh. And what happens is that then things that would come to us over the road can't get here. Oh. And so they can't deliver stuff. And then as the result, we run out and Mm -hmm. people scramble and, and figure a few things out. But as that goes on week after week, it gets worse and worse. So Today, I got up, I walked around just looking for things. There's Mm -hmm. no yogurt on this island at all, which is, you know, a staple for our breakfast. We've got eggs. So they figured out the egg problem. Uh, We're running out of bread. Mm. Now they've done something to get a different type of bread, but it's still, you know, we're still running out of that now uh, because again, weeks and weeks, uh, there's no orange juice. Uh, So we're running out of things and uh, like gasoline, propane is also very short. And so that's where the struggle is. And it's just, just sometimes it gets a little frustrating. For sure. Because, you know, it'd be so much nicer if I could just walk to one grocery store and it have the things I need and then I can just Mm -hmm. walk home. Uh, But as it stands now, I have to make a circuit of it and walk (laughs) all over town. Uh, This place has milk. This place has eggs. This place has uh, this. Uh, But then you get into a store, it's like everything else you wanted. And then that place doesn't have the bread. And it doesn't have the coffee. So it's like, okay, now I got to find another place that has the coffee and maybe has bread, or I might have to buy a different kind of bread or something else. And so, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just this, this thing that's, that's out there that you struggle through, but you know, Mm -hmm. we're in a third world country and this is their country. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. I just wish it didn't have the downstream effects it has because tourism has completely dried up. And that means that they, most people send their workers home. Uh, Mm -hmm. When their workers don't work, they don't make any money and they can't feed their family. And this Mm -hmm. is not a savings type of people. Uh, They pretty much live paycheck to paycheck. Even if they had extra money, they would just go spend it. They don't think in terms of the future the same way uh, Mm -hmm. that a lot of us might think. Oh, we just put that money aside. No, they're going to buy something that they needed or wanted for a while. But, you know, at the same time, because we're set that way, you can buy a slice of cheese. Mm -hmm. You can buy a single egg. Oh gosh! You can buy a single piece of bread huh. if you want, mm-hmm. and so if you just have enough money to buy lunch, you can buy lunch. But when they do these blocks and there's no money and no one's making that money, they're at home mm-hmm. without the money. They can't necessarily feed their families, That's and terrible. so it's been going on for weeks. And I understand why they're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, the government will come to resolve what the issue that's going on. It has something to do with the mining contract, and it's gone to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every day, you know, you just go in the grocery store, and it's one more thing that they don't have. And so there's, yeah, there's just going to be a point here where there's no gasoline, and there's mm-hmm. no propane, and people can't cook their food, and you know, we're all just grabbing the last things that are in the grocery store because that's mm-hmm. all they can get. That'll be a shame, but it that's kind of where we're at right now. So it's a little frustrating. It, it is very. <laughs> I really hope they resolve their stuff soon and and realize how many people they're hurting in the process. You know, I I don't even think it hits their mind. They just know this is this is how you get the government to respond. Mm. And they just block a road. They just flat out block, block a road and say, okay, no one's going through this road. No goods or services are going through here. So, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll let people through. You can walk around the roadblock. They're not going to, you know, if you get out of a car and walk to the other side, some taxis and whatnot or buses, they can arrange for someone to be on the other side to bus you from there, take you from there. So people can move. It's just, that's not the easiest way. But mm-hmm. yeah, goods are stuck. And so they're blocking food, they're blocking mm. gasoline, they're blocking propane. 
eventually here grocery stores will run down on stuff except just basic basic stuff like okay here's a can of tuna here's some oil here's some rice here's some beans mm-hmm. um but they're running out of the other stuff and then you know when you don't have any propane you don't have any gasoline That's everything crazy. else stops everything else my stops my goodness my yeah. gosh well i hope it resolves soon i do too but how are things up there cold <laughs> as you can tell we're in the middle of winter it's uh snowing it could be icy at least we have blue sky days today i mean it could be worse but it just uh, makes it feel colder it just yeah i think <laughs> i it can was... see the sun but i can't even feel any heat off of exactly. it exactly <laughs> well it was 20 degrees earlier this morning so yeah cold is cold but isn't we're... that nuclear shit and i feel a little <laughs> <laughs> i wish i wish <laughs> yep, but we're managing. Everything's fine up here. Getting ready for the holidays, getting ready for a vacation, just getting ready to wrap up this year, actually. So, yeah, it's coming lots, fast, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. Yep, it'll be right. New Year's before you know it. All right. Well, are you ready to talk to Peloton Ben? Sure. All right. Our guest today is a London based fitness and health expert who is currently working at Peloton as a cycle and strength instructor. He joined the Peloton team in 2018 as the first UK male instructor. Combining this with his previous experience working in finance, he sits at the intersection of fitness, business, tech, music, sports, and entertainment. As a world-class Peloton instructor, NASM certified personal trainer, and an experienced DJ, he is a unique hybrid of high-performance athlete, motivational coach, and a live performer. He is first and foremost an educator and a coach and is on a mission to share his passion for fitness and health with as many people as he possibly can. Raise the Bar is his first book. With no further ado, here's Ben Aldis. Ben, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to uh, have a discussion with you today. Yeah, so the title of your book is called Raise the Bar, How to Push Beyond Your Limits and Build a Strong Future You. And I think a lot of times we get older and we think, okay, well, I have these limits, you know, oh, my knee, oh, my ankle, oh, my hip, you know, I've got this job, I've got kids, I've got this, I've got to run, do that. And as a result, we kind of pocket, if you will, or or back of the stove, we push all this stuff that is important. We know it's important, but we just say, okay, I can't, I can't. And, And the word I can't becomes kind of the lexicon of our language. Okay, well, I can't do that because of this. And there's always a because. There always will be a because. (laughs) And so you had a quote in the book. You started out. This is actually, I think, the second sentence of the book. (laughs) So I didn't get very far before I was like, okay, I'm going to like this guy, Ben. And it was, all too often, we grow up to define ourselves by our limitations. I actually made that a little quote thing and I posted on my Facebook right after I read it. I liked it that much, you know, because if we're going to talk about raising the bar, we're going to talk about doing anything hard in our lives, good in our lives, because everything that's good is actually kind of hard. We have to raise the bar. We have to raise our performance. We have to do a little better than we're, we're probably doing right now. But if we let those limitations sit out there, they will eat us up. Yeah, I think, I think that's very true. I think every, uh, biggest growth opportunity in my life so far has always been through a moment of challenge or an opportunity where I've pushed myself out of my comfort zone or the outside forces have put something um, challenging in front of me and I've learned and developed and grown through that process. 
And so I think as you go through life, as these external factors become probably more increased through, you know, kids and more responsibilities and priorities, we tend to, as you say, almost start to doubt ourselves or on, on a time basis, on an ability basis, on a confidence basis. And I think a big focus of my book is giving people structure to understand that they do have the capabilities to still be doing those things into their, you know, mid to late to longest years possible. And also to set them up for success. Um, I used to work in finance, so my brain is very much logical and structured. And so I think the combination of my background of, of ex-finance guy or finance guy into a health and wellness expert means that my approach to fitness and wellness is very structured in the sense that like, I like to give people a toolkit to use to then tap into whenever they need it. And that's true in any point in, in someone's life. Um, and a big emphasis of the book is around keeping yourself physically and mentally fit for whatever life throws your way. Um, because all of us are going to be going through challenges of some sort throughout our lives. You know, some people uh, suffer grief or go through um, health challenges or there's lots of things that go on in our lives. I think most importantly, if we can be ready physically and mentally to, chat, uh, to tackle those and navigate through those, we're going to navigate through them and come out the other side stronger. Whereas if we don't prepare ourselves physically and mentally for those, you know, they could become an even heavier weight to carry around with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so, yeah, part of well, one of the things uh, you got into the book and as I was kind of, you were going through your story, which is, is actually kind of fascinating. Uh, you'd be surprised. There, there's quite a few parallels in our past. I was actually, I went through accounting and CPA in, in school too, but that was not my first choice. Um, like, just like finance wasn't necessarily your first choice. Um, but you talked about how, you know, and I think our aspirations when we were younger are kind of untainted because, well, of course I can be a professional football player and of course I can be an astronaut. Um, that's what they told me. You know, they told me if you work hard and you do the things and you're the, you know, in the right place, right time, uh, you, you can have those things. So we, we aren't as tainted with <laughs> our past setbacks, uh, as we are when we're older. Uh, but one of the tools that you did provide in the book that I thought was something we really need to think about, because when you get older, I can tell you, you, you go to the gym, you got all the, all the spunk in the world. I'm going to do the workouts. I'm going to do the thing. And then the knee starts hurting a little, or you're just, you're 10 times sore tomorrow. Um, I actually have a story where I, I couldn't get out of bed the next day. I did a workout and it was just, it was really just a, a benchmark workout. It wasn't even the workout. It was just the benchmark workout. I couldn't get out of bed. I had to call in sick for work the next day. Um, so we have these setbacks, but your, your approach to setbacks is, I think is very fresh. And I would like for you to talk a little bit about how do we regroup and pivot and do what we've got to do when we face one of those big things? Yeah. I think the first approach that I've always, um, loved to take is, is really focused on having that growth mindset. I think it's a, you know, it's an, a, a term or a concept that's been spoken about a lot, but I think many of us slip into this world of having um, a fixed mindset where basically you don't really give anything a go because you're fearing failure before you even start. Whereas a growth mindset is focused all around every experience or opportunity is a learning opportunity. And so even if you, in your mind, fail at something, 
across that process, you're still going to be learning a hell of a lot, which could set you up for success for the next time you come around to it. So with regards to like workouts and, you know, like as you get older, your body becoming, you know, just slowing down a little bit and it becoming a little bit more challenging mentally and physically. I think what's most important for me and from a lot of the clients I've worked with across the years is, again, going back to that toolkit of setting you up for success. Like, can you structure your day in a way which makes sure, make sure as you, you one, commit to the workout so you don't not do it in the first place, but two, you then have a recovery um, regime that's set up and ready for you. So you're making sure that you're, um, you know, making, putting that love back into your muscles after working them out too. And so there's lots of different chapters within the book, but I think having an awareness of everything available to you is a really important factor to begin with. And I, I broke down in the book all the different areas of, of wellness, um, but also understanding when to tap into them is really important too. Because I think sometimes in, in wellness and fitness, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people telling you you should be doing this and you know this is the best way to do it. In, in reality, we're all different, right? So my approach is slightly different of here are all like you know all the options that i believe are a good tool to be using in your repertoire and test them use it like do your due diligence on what works for you what doesn't work for you um, and then across the years go on a journey of discovery with your health and fitness to find out what really is beneficial for you and your body and your mind and most importantly don't try and get it all done in one day you know like i think what's really yeah, like you know, you listen to these a lot of these fitness influencers, and they're like, "I get up, go to my bath, I have like this crazy breakfast, and then do this and do that." And, and I think anyone who just lives a um, a life where you've got a lot of other things going on, like that, is just straight away overwhelming. So my approach to book is try and at least tick off like one thing to get, to begin with, and then as you start to build those habits, and as you start to build your confidence, that one thing then will lead on to other positive habits in your day. Um, but I think if you can kickstart your morning in particular with at least either like, you know, a healthy breakfast, which is going to feed your gut, make you feel good, or go and work out, get outside, um, get out in fresh air, like, you know, working out and moving your body is going to look different for everyone. But I think importantly, finding what works for you, finding what, what feeds your soul, makes you feel good is key in that. One of the core components of that, and it's what I noticed across your story, you got into this a little bit later in the book, was that you always kind of fell back on one one core thing, and that was the values, the values that you had for yourself. And, and as I've kind of started looking at motivation and how that plays, uh, I, I think that's the holy grail. I think when you actually put value in the health of your body, uh, when you put value in the quality of your life, uh, it made you make decisions and do things that were completely against the grain of what most people would do. Uh, like particularly when you went from uh, finance, well-paid job, all the accolades, all the stuff to, okay, now I'm going to uh, pedal on a bicycle over a TV on the internet. <laughs> that fell back on some pretty deep-seated values for you that went beyond just, you know, winning because you know that's what finance was was winning this was something entirely different 100 i think you know you mentioned i go into one of the chapters in the book about um the importance of understanding your values and i think the main thing that i like to say within this section is that the first step of self-development is self-awareness 
And so I think a lot of us go through life evolving our values by almost imitating other people or getting influenced by lots of people throughout our lives, which is one part of it. But I think what's most important is there's no truer happiness than if you can show up every single day as your true self. And so I think spending the time to sit down with yourself and sit and think, what is most important to me? How do I want to show up in the world? What do I believe in? And doing that consistently, it really gives you that confidence to then move into spaces that you may not think you could have done before. Like you mentioned, as my as I transitioned from finance to fitness, I've been spending years testing um, whether this industry is right for me. I've been surrounding myself with people within the industry. I've been coaching classes as a hobby. But I think most importantly, the things that really truly mattered to me at that time were looking after my health, fostering strong relationships, helping other people, like having huge gratitude around that, and having an influence on other people and, and building a legacy for myself. And so I think that I went on a discovery during that period and a bit of a deeper dive into, okay, so what, what really matters to me? Um, and what that ended up looking like was I wanted to join a business that would, was really helping people. I wanted to do a job that I had a huge passion for through music and health and fitness. Um, and what's really interesting, I was diagnosed with skin cancer during that period. So I think that almost forced my hand a little bit into that space. But I think the takeaway from this chapter that I'd love for people to take away listen to this podcast is I don't want anyone to go have to go through a cancer diagnosis to be forced into assessing those values. Like I wish I had done it before. So then I was set up for success and didn't have to go through mental and physical challenges that I did. But yeah, I think ultimately when it comes down to hard things or challenging moments, if you can truly stand up and just stay true to your values, stay true to who you are, you're going to go to sleep at night feeling a lot more in control. And I also love to say, you know, we can only control the controllable. So if you can finish the day being like, I did everything I possibly could to be myself. I owned everything I said, all the actions that I did today, I really, I believe and I trust in. Then in my eyes, that's one of the quickest ways to building confidence within yourself and building a healthy and happy life. Now, in the book, you got into resilience and you took a pivot. And I'm glad you did because it wasn't something that most people talk about when they think about resilience. And I think they think about resilience as they think about the kind of the phrases like grit and determination and, and just grinding it out. So it's just this, this harsh, hard thing that we, we, we build over time. Uh, but you pointed to the fact that support is a key component of being truly resilient. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's it's vital to understand that we can't do things alone. Like everything that I've done in life that's been a big success, I've always been supported by a team of people or friends or family. Or I think to believe that you're going to go out there on your own and do whatever you want to do, whether it's like building a multi-million pound business or achieve great sporting success or it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to go there and just go solo. And actually what I found is that I've personally got to places quicker because there's normally people within the industry or that you know that know a little bit more about something so that you can learn quicker 
and get inspired by those that are, you know, have, have been there before and learn from other people's mistakes, you know? I think what's really interesting is I worked in a in private equity, which is a very fast moving um, business within, within finance. And I was very young comparatively to be in this industry, but it pushed me in a way to build such resilience because I, I had to learn really fast. I had to learn how to be around, you know, CEOs of companies. I had to learn how to be at board meetings and discuss things in, in financial details and depth. And I had to learn a hell of a lot around business strategy and financial modeling. And if I hadn't pushed myself and moved into that space and surrounded myself by those people, I would never have had that opportunity. And if I just tried gone on my own mission to get to that spot, <laughs> I never would have, you know, even got anywhere close. Yeah. And so I think there's so much power in surrounding yourself by people who inspire you, people who challenge you. Because um, I truly believe in what I found throughout my life is that at any point in time, you are typically the average of the five people you spend the most time with or you're interacting with on the, on the most regular basis. Um, and I think it's important to have a mixture of people. You know, I don't think you need, you need almost people that you can rely on to ask questions to and inspire you. But you, I think I really truly believe you need people to lean on in times of need as well, who are maybe a bit more emotional or and it's good to have a bit of diversity within that solid group of people that are around you. Now, you, you talked about your parents in there, but another one I'd like to bring up that, you know, was, was that you had a coworker, a female coworker, and her, her skill set was the, the analytics and the numbers, and your skill set was the smiling and <laughs> talking to people. And, and the two of you kind of put that together to form really a strong team uh, that was capable of, of each of you filling up some of the things that you weren't, weren't as strong at while you built those. You didn't just say, okay, you do all the numbers, I'll do all the talking, and you just leave it there. You still kept working on learning how to do the numbers while you were doing it. This was just the bridge, just the support that you needed to push yourself through and be successful on the other side. Yeah, definitely. I think, and the first step with that was me admitting to myself that I needed to work this out. And I think... I was speaking to someone the other day and they said, what's the biggest myth that it's like, you know, is shouldn't be believed. I think the the term fake it until you make it. I just don't love that term at all because <laughs> it's probably the worst bit of advice you can give anyone. Actually, I think my advice would be to be true to yourself, be honest to yourself, say, you know what, I actually don't know what I'm doing here and work with the people that you trust to support you in that, in that moment. And then very quickly, you know, most of us, if we put the time and effort into something, we will learn and we'll, we'll grow and develop into, um, into the space. And that's why I ended up doing myself. But I'm still at a stage where my strengths lie in another area. So I truly believe that we should lean on our strengths, but don't forget about the weaknesses. Because at some stage, you're going you're gonna to get caught out if you just, just focus on your strengths. Yeah. But yeah, I think delegating and also understanding that there are people we're all going to be slightly different and have different strengths and weaknesses is, is important. Yeah. So one of my strengths uh, is lifting. I, I can get really, really strong if I put my mind to it. Um, I can have strong endurance, but it takes a lot more work. And so I could be an awesome grandfather, uh, but if we go to the zoo, my grandkids might just run me to death 
Um, <laughs> if I don't train, if I don't train myself to be the grandfather that can keep up with the grandkids. Um, mm. When I did a Tough mutter with my daughter, you know, she's a level one CrossFit coach and I wanted to do a Tough mutter with her. If I didn't work on my strength, endurance, grip strength, all of it, uh, she would have left me in the dust. And I, I, I would have respected it. I would have said, sure, you go on, I'm, I'm slowing you down. But I went into that race saying, no, I'm not going to have to say that. Uh, so I pushed through weaknesses I had. I had to lose weight. I had to get stronger. I had to improve my endurance. And so all of that was just knowing, okay, these are my weaknesses. My uh, mental strength, my tenacity, uh, my willingness to push myself was always there. I just had to apply it. And so it was understanding your values, understanding what you want to accomplish. And then just uh, kind of like you did over and over in your life, just put your head down and say, this is where I'm going. I might be in last place right now, but I won't be when this race is over. And, uh, you know, I think that that's true resilience when you're asking for help, when you're true to yourself and you just, you persevere because you, you don't see failure as a potential and you do what's necessary, even if it's asking for help to get there. Yeah. And I think on top of that, I really truly believe that as we go through life, if you stop learning, your brain will just slowly slow down, very similar to your body. Um, there was a great analogy that I got told once where if someone breaks their arm, you have your, your arm in a cast for like six weeks. And because you keep your arm in the same position for that long, the calcification of the bone, it never actually gets back to where it was before. And so if you think about it, if that's just over six weeks, if we as individuals are not moving our bodies or sitting down too much, like slowly but surely that's going to be our bodies and our minds. Um, and it, it was an analogy that blew my mind because I thought with all the clients I work with, it's, it's, you know, it's never too late to get started, but if we don't get started soon, then it's going to become even harder. Um, and so I suppose to a lot of your listeners, what I'd say is whatever age you are, like today is the best day to get started with your health and fitness journey, because for me, I'm inspired and my biggest motivation now is so I can move around with my grandkids when I'm in my 60s, 70s, 80s, you know? And that sounds quite strange because I am in my 30s, but (laughs) that's my my main driver, my main motivation. I don't even have kids right now, but that's my main reason for still getting up and going to the gym and improving my my mobility and um, flexibility and whatnot. So Yeah. Well, I want to be able to wipe my own ass when I'm 105. So (laughs) there's that. (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and yeah, and it is, it's, you set a goal, you set who you want to be, you set your future and you start working towards that. You're potentially going to have setbacks. You're going to have things that are going on, but you do the best with what you can, where you are with what you have. And one of the tools you put in the book that I think is really valuable for helping someone kind of put, put their starting point on paper, if you will, is to do an audit of your well-being. Can you talk a little bit about that audit and how, how to go about that? Yes, yeah, so I think this is going back into the combination of my finance and fitness background. Um, so for those of that know, obviously within a business, a business will have to audit um, their financials every quarter. So what they're doing within that process is they're submitting how their business is doing What's the business health at the time, um, you know, from a financial perspective, from a progress and growth perspective. And essentially, they're providing figures to um, their shareholders to say, this is where we're at. This is where the business is moving forward. 
So I believe that we should be doing this on a regular basis for our health and wellness. And so within within the auditing your well-being pillars, I try and break this down into movement, into nutrition, into rest, and also mental well-being. And I think it's in, within the book, I break this down into lots of different categories and give people um, things that have really benefited me and also lots of the clients that I've worked with across the years. And I think essentially what this auditing your well-being is all about is having a check-in with yourself, whether it's every quarter or every month, and just saying, all right, where am I, where am I at today? Because what's gone on before, I can't change. But what is going to go on going forward, I can change. So let's have an understanding of where I'm at today, which areas can I improve on, and what are the steps that I can take to you know, make an adjustment to these areas so I can support myself to live a happy and healthy life going forward. I think sometimes in life, you know, we're on a train of just going through life and everything's moving super fast. And sometimes it's really good to just have a moment to check in with yourself. Um, and that's what this concept's all about. And and then obviously providing them the toolkit to go out there and make the changes within their life. Yeah. And some of the eye-opening things that you might find from this this audit is, okay, well, how well am I sleeping? And then you realize, well, you know, it's crap. Um, I'm not sleeping well at all. I'm staying up too late. I'm doing things that aren't helping me go to sleep and I don't feel rested in the morning, but I just keep, you know, hit some coffee, hit a donut and, and go. And you know, that's not serving your health, uh, but that's what you do because that's what you've always done. Uh, you look at your, your fitness and you may say, you know, when was the last time I, I actually worked out and you're like, well, okay, I went for a walk but really the last time I worked out, maybe that was last July. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I got some things to work on. So it'll help you see things that you can work on, but I think it'll also give you these opportunities to see your wins. And so mm. similar to the way your father was with when you were playing football when you were younger, you were playing very well and you were scoring three goals in a game, but he always found something for you to, to focus on, to improve on. And you had the resilience and the strong mind to say, Okay, well, the only way I can solve this problem is to score four goals next time. Uh, <laughs> and it's not that we have to go that way with our health and fitness, but obviously, I think all of us know that there's probably some low-hanging fruit. So the first few times you do this audit uh, of your health, of your wellness, you're going to find things that you should be focusing your attention on. And there is a finite amount of time and things like that that you can do. So this will also kind of help you prioritize where you should be spending the time so that you're getting the most out of it. Mm. I think like, I totally agree with you. There are There is some easy hanging fruit there. And I think sometimes within health and wellness, it's really difficult because like I mentioned before, there's a lot of noise. And so what I've tried really to do within this chapter is break down things in a really simple way. And again, give people the awareness and not put the pressure on them to be like, right, if you do all of these things, um, but understand that it's a it's accumulation of these things that's going to get you to living a healthy and happier life. And so maybe one week you might, you know, work out three times, and then the next week you won't only work out once, but you might be it might be getting better in other areas. And so a lot of our health and wellness wellness comes down to stress on the body. And within that, we have good stress, we have bad stress. And so for me, it's about tapping into this toolkit to work more on the good stress and less on the bad stress um, and work on the energy givers in life and move away from what I, I call in the book, the energy takers. And so, yeah, I think it's important to have awareness of what's available to you and then start testing things 
with your body because we're all slightly different. Yeah. Well, you know, and when you were like when you were going through your your cancer uh, treatments and getting yourself healthy again, um, you weren't killing it on the bike. Um, <laughs> you weren't doing all these hard workouts anymore. Uh, you struggled with that, obviously, because that it was a part of your values was someone who does these things and the people around you and everything. That was a, a core part of your life. Uh, but you knew, okay, until I solve this, this is number one. Until I solve this, then the rest of those things don't really matter. You know, I could be the fittest corpse out there, but it's not going to do me any good. I got to heal. And and then there were other yeah. times where, yeah, you took a detour or or went off path for the wrong reasons. And it took you a while to find your way back. So I think, again, this self-awareness that you get from something like this audit lets you kind of put together and help you redefine why you're doing what you're doing. And And basically, yes, sometimes you're not doing the optimal thing because it's just not the right time to be doing that thing. You need to be doing something else. Mm. I think what's really important to note there on, on my cancer um, journey was physically I couldn't do what I'd always done. And throughout my you know life, I'd always relied on fitness as my go-to for my mental health and physical health. And when that got stripped away from me, it made me go a bit deeper into the other areas of wellness. So I, I start to focus a lot more on my nutrition and I started to focus on, on my, my sleep hygiene and my rest and recovery. And I think sometimes we get caught up in wellness being, you got to just go to the gym, but there's so much more to it. And, you know, like if we can, I think really what is at the top is sleep hygiene and sleep quality. I really believe is one of the most important things to our health and well-being. And so that is the first thing that you're not getting right or you're not trying to improve then sometimes all this other stuff is almost not as not a priority. Um, and the same with nutrition, like if you're working out five, six times a week, but then you're going and eating fast food every single day, like it's just, it doesn't, isn't going to serve you. And I really believe that what we're putting inside our bodies, whether it's nutrition or whether it's like products that we're using or environments we're, we're surrounding ourselves, it actually has a dramatic effect on our health and wellness. And so all of these things, let's say you're injured or, you know, fitness is still new to you or you haven't been in it for a long time. Like there's other areas within the wellness space that you can really tap into as your kickstart into improving yourself, into building you into that stronger fit of you. And hopefully as you start to build those habits into your life, you're going to build the confidence to just start integrating more and more. Yeah. Well, the problem was we were able to get away with it when we were in our teens and 20s. And and now our body's not quite as forgiving for us to not get the sleep, not get the right food. We're seeing the results of that over time. And as a result, we just have to be a little bit more diligent. There's a question that I ask every guest, and I think this question is going to probably resonate with you as well as anyone I've ever talked to based on your book. But I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Yeah, I think that's it's, it's difficult to nail down three because, like I said, there's a lot of things as option to us. But I think just going simple terms, like getting your body moving on the regular is going to be really, really important for both your mental and physical health. Um, I mean, I've worked with m- millions of people over, over the years via the Peloton platform, but also as like one-on-one clients. And um, I've seen dramatic dramatic changes to people's mindset people's physical um 
you know, look, and also mental well-being, like just by moving their body on a, on a regular basis. So I think if you're not doing that right now, that's definitely something I'd encourage you to do. And it's um, it can literally start by like like we mentioned at the start of the podcast, just getting outside for a walk, and then giving yourself, you know, a goal every single week, whether it's working out three times a week to start with, and then building that up into longer workouts, um, and then finding what works with you. I think number two is focusing on nutrition and focusing on feeding your body foods that are going to really benefit um, your gut health, foods that are going to be good back to you. And what I mean by that is foods that are nutritious for your body and that that it isn't that hard for your body to break down. So for me, that is, you know, high quality uh, proteins, carbs of some sort, um, but generally sort of like carbs are high in fiber. And then lots of leafy greens and vegetables and, and fruits. And I think trying to move away from processed food is, is, is really key. I think something that I've worked with a lot of clients on is we are influenced when we walk into a supermarket by so many things that it makes our brain just go wild. <laughs> and I think sometimes we don't really know. Um, and so a big tip for me when, you, when you're looking at food is understanding what is in our food. So taking an opportunity to start looking at labels it doesn't need to be militantly, but just by understanding what you're putting into your body every single day, but from a from a calorific point of view, but also from a chemical point of view, is a big stepping stone to you know improving your health. Um, there's a lot of lot of ingredients in a lot of the products that we have in our supermarket. So the quicker you understand what they are and what they're doing to our body, probably the quicker you're going to stop eating them. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's not easy, you know, finance is a challenging thing with regards to food and time, but I think we can sometimes coast through that space in our life. And really, you wouldn't put crappy fuel into a Ferrari or something that you really loved, or you wouldn't water a plant with like things that are going to kill it, you know? So why are we feeding our bodies with things that are not making our body and mind function that well? Uh, And then thirdly, I think, Focus on rest. Like rest is such an important part of our overall well-being practice. And the first step of rest is sleep. You know, like if we can improve our sleep quality, something that I discovered through working in finance was doesn't matter how long you sleep necessarily, but it's actually about the quality of your sleep. And so I won't go into too much detail, but there's we have cycles in our sleep patterns. And so if if you can get enough deep and REM sleep in within your night, that could be more beneficial than if you sleep nine, 10 hours of not that good quality sleep. Um, and a big part of that is understanding how your practices before bed set you up for success to make sure you're sleeping right, you know, not being on your phone, not eating too late, not looking at screens too late or wearing blue blocking glasses or blue light blocking glasses. And just understanding like, how can I set myself up to success here to make sure that I get a solid amount of quality sleep that's going to regenerate my body for tomorrow, but also keep you mentally in a good place as you wake up tomorrow. Thank you. Ben, if someone wanted to learn more about you and learn more about the book, Raise the Bar, where would you like for me to send them? So I have a website. So my website is Um You can also find me on Instagram. So it's Benjamin Aldis uh, on Instagram. And yeah, if anyone has any questions, I'm hugely passionate about health and wellness. Um, I've worked with, you know, as I said, millions of people across across the years. Um, I currently work for a business called Peloton, who 
are, you know, they have online fitness content. We do bike classes or spinning classes. We do trick classes. We do strength, yoga, meditation. Uh, so the op- options are, are endless with regards to the uh, fitness stuff. If anyone has any questions at any point, I'm more than happy to answer them, help them along the way. Like this is something, this is my lifelong mission to try and help people. So thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 621, and I'll be sure to have the links there. Ben, thank you for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. What an interesting interview and what an interesting job he has writing for Peloton. But um, I do like a lot of what he and you discussed about um, mindset. I mean, it all starts with our our self-limiting beliefs and questioning what we think we can't do. It's a big thing. Yeah. Well, again, his his quote was, all too often, we grow up to define ourselves by limitations. It's so and true. I, yeah. When I read that, when I read that sentence, I'm like, that's every single person <laughs> over the age of 40 who wants uh-huh. to lose weight or get more fit is that mm-hmm. they're, they start out with the things that they can't do. Well, mm-hmm. I can't do this. You know, like I want right. to lose weight. I want to do that, but I can't do yes. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been kind of fooling around on Facebook a little bit last month as you're listening to this. I'm just posting things I call weight loss logic. Uh huh. And I posted one today is uh, I want to get rid of the fat on this butt, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, <laughs> you know, yep. and, and, and that's pretty much it. It's like, you know, you want something, but you put something in between you that you think, okay, well, this will stop me from doing it. Mm-hmm. And it may stop you from doing it the way that you thought you would. Okay. So mm-hmm. this kid, Ben, and I'm going to call him a kid because he's just now getting into his thirties, but mm-hmm. he wanted to be a, a professional football player. Now in, in his sense of football is soccer, the way we uh-huh. do it in the United States, but basically he had every aspiration and from every indication being younger that he had the capacity to do this. So he was mm-hmm. training and pushing himself and, you know, that drove everything in his life, his, 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 aspirations across everything. He put it all on the line for that thing. Um, And then he was notified, basically the way it works over there was that he wasn't going to get called back. Mm. So his, his, he knew the writing was on the wall. You're not good enough Mm -hmm. to make it to the next level. Um, And that's hard to hear. It is. Um, And so he could have quit. He could have just said, okay, fine. um, I'll just do something else and move on with his life, which he kind of did. But he got into finance and worked through. But when he got back into a situation where fitness was in his life again, uh, he realized, I, I've got to keep this in my life. And I can't, mm-hmm. you know, there, it, it, there was some of it a conflict of, okay, fitness was going to require him. I mean, finance was going to require him to travel mm-hmm. eventually for what he, was, what he was doing, what he was trained to do. Um, but he loved doing these classes and he just, the thought of, okay, well, if I move on with this career, I won't be able to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he gave up a lot to get into this and he went mm-hmm. with a company. Granted, he did his due diligence on it. He was a finance guy, a low risk guy, <laughs> but he, he did his things on who are these Peloton people and what is this going to mean? And, and, but it was a big bet because he was mm-hmm. leaving that finance job to go take this other thing that could have amounted to nothing. But 
you know, being a, a nice looking guy uh, with a British accent, uh, it was kind of a no brainer. He was going to actually be good at this. Sure. Um, <laughs> For sure. You know, tall, lean guy uh, with a big smile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing the class. I could see one or two women maybe being attracted to sitting <laughs> at their screen, pedaling their bike just a little bit faster. For uh, sure. For but um, yeah, I mean, we we look at a limitation. And mm-hmm. then the question you have to ask yourself, and and we've talked about this on the show before, mm-hmm. at when to quit, and and the point is sometimes you do, sometimes you just mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm I you know I'm not going to be an ultra marathon runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that physically, my body would just break eventually if I tried to do it consistently. If I tried to say, okay, this is just who I'm going to be. I'm going to be one of those weird guys that does you know, 140 miles, 200 miles, you know crosses some part of the world nobody should actually be at for you know over a, a weekend just because I can. It's a limitation. And my body mm-hmm. physically won't be able to do that or isn't able to do that. I'm not beat up by that. I'm just saying, okay, well what can I do? You know? Right. Well, I I can be the most freaking grandfather you've ever seen. I'm gonna be on the floor rolling around with the kids. I'm gonna be out mm-hmm. in the field kicking the ball. I'm gonna be out there rolling around with them, playing with them. Sure. And when I take them to the zoo, I'm not sitting on a bench waiting for them to finish. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to pick them up and carry them around and wrestle with them and do all mm-hmm. those things. That's my aspiration. Well, it's important. Okay. It's important. Now, I could say, okay, well, I tore my rotator cuff, so I should probably be kind of careful and just get your body ready. Get yourself well, ready. You know? Yeah. The, well, there's, it's there's a pivot. Those- not a quit. There, exactly. Exactly. There's those physical things where, you know, I, I'm not going to be a pro baseball player or softball player. You know, I'm not, it's just not an aspiration. It's not something I'm built for. It's not something I'm interested in, but I've got other things I'd like to do. I'd like to grow old gracefully. And like you, I'd like to be involved with grandkids and as well as friends of my peers and doing, you know, the things that they do. But, um, Kind of like what you guys had talked about towards the end of your discussion, taking an audit of your well-being. I mean, where are you right now in your life? Are you interested in being a pro football player, Alan, at this point in your life? Probably well, not. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but you've got other priorities. Yeah, you've got I, other I, things I, yeah. you would like I, to I, do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. So yeah, if they came to me and said, okay, look, you know, it's probably not going to be the big big contract, but you know, here's $500,000 a year to come out here and let us beat up on you for a year. <laughs> I would probably take it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll be, I'd be a tackling dummy for half a million dollars, but um, you know, it's just, I think a lot of times we get in there and the journey feels hard. Right. It feels hard. Right. And that's a time when people start to waver. Right. And they start looking for the comfortable way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have limitations. My knee hurts. My ankle hurts. My shoulder hurts. Or, you know, I would, but I've got to cook for the family and this is what the kids eat. So, yes, mm-hmm. my staple is mac and cheese. Well, you're mm-hmm. not going to lose the weight you want to lose if you're eating mac and cheese three or four times a week, mm-hmm. you know, or fast food three or four times a week. It's just, it's too hard you've stopped yourself. So you've taken what you perceive as a limitation mm-hmm. and you've stopped and you can't blame anybody else. Mm-hmm. You have to take responsibility mm-hmm. that that's you, you limited yourself. Yes. 
I think yeah. that there's there's almost two concepts here, Alan, and that self-limiting, like what I hear in the running world, well, I got bad knees, so I can't run. Well, do you really have bad knees? Did your doctor say your knees are so bad you can never run? Maybe there's something you can do to be able to run healthily and safely. But I also want to add, just toss in there, self-sabotage. Because it, like you, we're talking about losing weight here, if you say, well, I want to lose X amount of pounds, but I can't give up alcohol or I can't give up mac and cheese, yeah. then that's just self-sabotage right there. You have to. It, it is, re, but, it, but, it, it, but it's, but it's coming. It's, it is coming from that perspective of limitations. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's just too much. It's too hard. I don't like to do it. I don't want to do it. I mm -hmm. want to keep eating out every night. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so they're like, how do I lose weight? And I would be like, very carefully. Uh, yeah. You can, but you've mm -hmm. basically put yourself in a roped in course that is going to make this very, very difficult uh, mm -hmm. to do. And it's not going to fit the norms of when people walk into a restaurant and they put a plate of food in front of you and you eat it. Your life's not going to be like that if you want to lose weight and eat out all the time. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to set some rules, set some standards and do things mm -hmm. a little bit different. Meaning asking for the to-go box before you even get your food so you can put half or two-thirds of it in that sure. box to take home with you because you have no business eating 1,200 calories for that meal when mm -hmm. 600 is enough. Right. You know? And so, you know, if we set a limitation for ourselves, or, or there is an actual, because sometimes people do, go the doctors love to say it, you stop mm -hmm. running, don't walk on the sand, <laughs> don't do oh, this. Yeah. What do doctors get paid to do? They get paid to stop the pain. They get paid mm -hmm. to help you feel like you're getting mm -hmm. better. They don't actually get paid to get you better. Mm -hmm. They give you a solution. You don't want to run, don't run. Mm -hmm. You don't want, you know, don't walk on the beach. That's that's going to hurt your knee. Mm -hmm. Well, it might. True. But I was like, okay, doc, what do I got to do yes. so I can walk on the beach? I did not come all the way down here. To right. live here, to not walk on a beach. For sure. So the, don't tell me not to walk on a beach. Tell me what mm -hmm. I got to do so I can. Mm -hmm. That's a different, you see that click there. That click is, okay, you can tell me there's, and there could physically be a limitation. So mm -hmm. I know, okay, first six weeks after surgery, probably sure. shouldn't be walking on the beach. That's right. Okay. <laughs> For <laughs> he sure. Might, he might have a point, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I would never accept that I could never walk on the beach again. And like Ben said, like with his experience with cancer, he had to take some time off. He had to reevaluate what he was capable of doing during the time he was dealing with his cancer treatments. And and we all go through these phases in life, too, where like you need to take an audit. You need to say, well, what can I do today yeah. in order to achieve my goals in the future? And, and that, yeah. And that's the other value of the audit is because you can sit down and say, OK, granted, I just had my knee operated on and I'm mm -hmm. sitting here on the couch because I can't really move around as much as I would like. Mm -hmm. Doctor still wants me to walk around, but he by no means wants me out running every weekend or lifting <laughs> weights or doing these other right. things. But what can I do? Well, I can yes. I can work on my mobility. Yes. You know, yep. I can I can go and figure out uh, how to do and how to make and prepare really good food that my family mm -hmm. loves that is healthy for us. Mm -hmm. So taking a cooking class, you know, going out to a farmer's market on the weekend and and learning about my food. Maybe it's working on balance, you know. I that's not going to hurt my knee if I'm standing on one foot and just trying to work on balance or mobility sure. or 
you know, and so while you may not be able to do something because it is a valid limitation, the mm-hmm. question is, are you putting the limitation in front of yourself because it's mm-hmm. convenient mm-hmm. and it means that you would have to go and do something uncomfortable mm-hmm. and then that's holding you back or is it real? And if it's real, this audit's a good way for you to say, no, well, I can't do this right now because mm-hmm. of this. And that's, that's real. Um, that's that's really neat. And staying in the present right then is really important. It's interesting that you mentioned Ben was in his 30s. Did you say he was he not quite now, 40? Yeah, he is he now, is now in his 30s. When, I, when, he, when he was talking through the book, you know, of course, this is a young man who was going through his teens and then 20s as mm-hmm. he got into his career. And so as I started to talk to him, I, I kind of, not knowing again how long happened between what he was talking about in the book and what what he was, I was basically assuming he was probably in his late 20s, but he said he's mm-hmm. he's already past 30. So it's just interesting to hear a guy, a person thinking about his future in the similar ways that you and I do, Alan, being that we're in our 50s, even, you know, he's working towards developing a healthy lifestyle now so that he could live a healthy lifestyle in the future and kind of taking that audit along the way. You know, we we go through all these different phases in our life. And at the, the end goal, though, is to be able to have a healthy, high quality of life in our 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond. And so all that hard work that we're doing right now or like he's doing in his 30s and 40s, you know, that's setting us up for success in the long term. It's a long process. Yeah. And I think that's what he's looking at. You know, if if you look at your career, you know, most mm-hmm. people have a career and they they expect for it to last 40 years or so, you know, sure. we all kind of go into it with the idea, okay, I'll, you know, graduate from college or whatever, and I'll start my career, I'll work for 40, 50 years. Um, mm-hmm. You may do double that because some people will you know, they'll go in and say, okay, I'll work the time in the military and then I'll do that and I'll go do this other career and then I'll retire mm-hmm. from that and that'll be my retirement. So they're looking at, you know, 50 years, maybe 60, but most mm-hmm. people think in terms of 40 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's starting out as a Peloton instructor in his late 20s. If he goes 40 years, he'd be 69 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if he wants to keep doing Peloton <laughs> or he's whatever, have to whatever stay healthy. <laughs> he wants to stay fit and healthy, you know, yeah. again, he's got to, he actually has to talk to you guys while he's doing this or you don't hear his <laughs> British accent. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but the point being is like, yes, if, if you're in the health and fitness industry and you want to stay in the health and fitness industry, well, you kind of have to stay alive. That's um, true. <laughs> if, you know, if you want to do it things is. and be a wonderful grandfather, wonderful grandmother, if that's who you want to be, then you got to do the things to make sure you're still here and capable mm-hmm. when your grandkids yeah. are around. If you want to remain independent and capable well into your older years mm-hmm. and have a health span that's as long or closer to as long as your lifespan, then mm-hmm. you got to do those things. And so, right. you know, it, it, it's a joke. I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105, <laughs> but it's not a joke. You know, yeah. it is. I fully expect that I'm going to live a long, healthy life mm-hmm. and I want to be able to take care of myself. So I do the things I need to do to make sure that I'm that person Mm -hmm. when that comes around. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Great. Take care, Ellen. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Next time on the 40 plus fitness podcast, we will begin a six episode series on building the best you until then have a happy and healthy week.